if you were to put any individual's brain under MRI scan, their brain activity actually changes and morphs based on the level of affirmations you provide. So affirmations on a clinical level actually neurologically affect your brain outcome and your brain activity. Welcome to Discover More Podcast, a community for seekers of curiosity and nuances. I am your host, Benoit Kim, a trilingual Korean-American veteran and former policymaker. I became a clinician after witnessing the non-negotiable of mental health and nuanced perspectives in our everyday life. I intend to connect and dissect the intricacies of life by talking to the most fascinating humans I can find. Congratulations on choosing curiosity over complacency. Let's get this started. This week's guest is Kitty Noor. Kitty is a mystic poet, creative, tarot reader, and former founder and editorial director of OK Cool magazine. With her unique content and esoteric insights, Kitty was able to amass quite a following on social media. With 85,000 followers on TikTok, and over 3 million likes across her platforms. Kitty is the embodiment of true unapologetic authenticity. Kitty is deeply passionate about the intricate relationship between spirituality, mental health, and creativity. As she describes herself, healing, freeing, and being yourself is one of the greatest gifts you can give to this world. Kitty is also the first person who taught me about the healing power of creativity in our first interview last year, on episode number 53, The Healing Power of Art and the Creative Process of OK Cool Magazine, where she describes the fulfilling but challenging process of creating a community with other artists. Her intro would take another few pages. So here's the excerpt from her website that best describes the essence of Kitty Noor. This is me. This is my attempt to live fully for the sake of those who cannot and still cannot. The queers, the daughters, the witches. Kitty seeks to normalize esoteric knowledge and stress the importance of personal transformation. You can find all things Kitty Noor at Kitty, K-N-O-R-R, and on her website, KittyNoor.com. Kitty, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Benoit. I am so excited to be here. Yeah, very, very excited for round two as well. And I know personally, since we have become quite a friend since we met on the show, that the theme that is really prevalent and really important in your life is the idea that human is trippy. Yes. Right? So, yeah. yeah. So, right. So can you tell me and walk us through what does that mean of being human is trippy to you? Um, I came up with the phrase being human is trippy this time last year, in like March of 2021, around the same time that I started my podcast called Being Human is Trippy. Um, and I've since taken a break from the podcast, but like moving back to it, I want to use that platform to talk about spiritual concepts and kind of like demystify spiritual concepts. And I think that the phrase being human is trippy, it's a fun, succinct way to like demystify the human experience. Um, because we tend to understand life and understand ourselves from a very logical, rational place. When in actuality, like life is pure chaos. And yes, there is a time and a place to think very logically and approach life very logically, but on a whole, life is trippy. Life is weird. And the phrase 
is just a reminder to not take things too, too seriously, not take yourself too, too seriously. Yeah, that makes sense. And as someone who is both religious and spiritual by trait, I do know that life is trippy and a lot of things about life cannot quite be explained through logic, right? Like the logos and pathos and ethos aren't always sufficient in some ways. Uh, how would you then define spirituality and what is spiritual concepts or journey mean to you personally? I'm at the point in my journey where I think everything is spiritual. Being alive, being a human being here means that you have a spirit. You are a spirit. You just happen to be incarnated and embodying a physical body. Like if I were to define spirituality, I think it's the relationship that you have with yourself and the relationship that you have to um, something greater than you. Call it God, call it source, and call it your higher self. Um, I think people that um, fall under a spiritual category, umbrella, I, I would assume that all of us, no matter what we believe in, whether that's an organized religion or just um, an individual form of practice, I think on a whole, to have a spiritual connection with life is to have the awareness that there's something greater at play. Again, call it God, call it source, call it consciousness. There's something bigger than you that you have the opportunity to connect with and that you have the opportunity to like work with and be of service to that source. Yeah, that's really interesting. I So as you know, my partner, she's a physician, right? And a lot of her coworkers who are in medicine and we have a friend, he's a neuroscientist, and they talk about the more deeply they go into their fields, the more spiritual they become. So a lot of them used to be atheist. They didn't really believe in anything. They're not agnostic by any means. But the more intricate knowledge and the more intricate things they study, whether it's our brains or medicine, they, I think they find themselves in this crossroad. They're like, huh, it doesn't really make sense. Like all these are so intricately designed. It's holistically designed to create this optimal conditions for life right to thrive and at least my neuroscientist friends he wasn't as religious before but i think the more and farther he went into his phd with neuroscience he just had so many questions that just couldn't be answered by science quote unquote and i sense that and as we know in stoic philosophy like ryan holiday's the book stillness is a key he talks about it's best for us to believe in something that's not in us uh, because that's how egotism happens that's all we think we can burden the shoulder of the world by ourselves right like we don't need god like nietzschean philosophy god is dead sort of like nihilistic tendencies that said kitty how has your own spiritual journey unfolded because i know you're both religious or you have faith but you're also very spiritual in a very esoteric sense and of course we'll go down into your esoteric interest and the really cool things you've been doing uh, with your work in your life thank you first of all um, but I had kind of the privilege of not being raised religious. My dad's side of the family are Jewish, but they don't practice. And my mom's side of the family are Irish Catholics that also don't really practice. Um, so as a kid, never went to church. And when I had graduated high school, had gone to college and dropped out, came back home, 
I started gravitating towards astrology, so maybe around the age of like 19, started gravitating towards astrology and started reading self-help books around the same time. And then the self-help books turned into like spiritual texts. And so my interest in astrology, self-help, and spiritual concepts kind of all morphed at the same time. And so simultaneously, uh, my mom, who was an alcoholic, who passed away a couple years ago because of her drinking, she was in the thick of her addiction. And so that definitely influenced me to stop and question <laughs> life itself and um, dealing with my own mental demons, looking for answers in these spiritual texts, like developing a sense of faith in something bigger than myself is what helped me cope with um, like watching my mom and her addiction and like realizing that you can be you can be like next to a person struggling and still not be able to like physically help them. And so around that time, my mom was not interested in being sober, not interested in going to AA because, or one of her reasons was that AA is very, very faith-based. It's a Christian program really. And like one of the first steps, if not the first step is like handing over, <laughs> surrendering your power to something bigger than you. And um, that was a turnoff to my mom. However, maybe back in like 2018, 2017, she went to rehab, like a 30-day program, and then came out of it very spiritual. Came out of it interested in learning about astrology. And so like we solidified a friendship around that time. Again, I was like 19, 20, based on like, learning about astrology. Like she was interested in bettering, her, bettering herself. I was interested in bettering myself. And so my first wave of like a spiritual awakening or just like reading a bunch of spiritual texts was coupled with my mom and like her pulling herself out of her addiction and then like me just like <laughs> learning more about myself and just trying to like cope um, at that time. And over the course of like 2018 up until 2020, I slowly but surely like stopped pursuing spiritual texts. I slowly but surely stopped learning about astrology. And instead, I dove deep into creativity and became very, very passionate about the relationship between creativity and mental health. And so that led me to create OK Cool Magazine back in 2018. And for whatever reason, I really felt at the time I had to switch hobbies, that like I wasn't allowed to be interested in both creativity and mental health and spirituality. Like I had to choose one. And so I chose creativity and mental health also because that like it made more sense. It was more socially acceptable. That was definitely part of my thought process. And then fast forward to 2020, during the pandemic, um, I sat with myself and I realized that I miss studying astrology. I put my tarot cards to the side and um, I like kind of beat myself up for like taking a couple years off of pursuing uh, my interests that once brought me so much comfort. 
And so during the pandemic, during quarantine, I reached for those things that brought me comfort um, and fell back in love with astrology and tarot. And also around that time, I started being a lot more colorful about what I believe in on the internet, um, which in sharing my beliefs, beliefs, it made me confront what I actually believe in. And that process of doing like TikToks, pulling tarot cards, talking about spirituality, that like first couple months, it made me confront a lot of skepticism that I had been carrying for a really long time. And the process of being a lot more vocal about what I believe in online has been so healing. And I'm very, very grateful for this journey and grateful to be where I'm at now. And where I'm at now is a place in time where I put OK Cool Magazine to the side and I really only talk about spiritual concepts online. And now I'm trying to like rope back in um, conversations about creativity and mental health and find a crossroad. Yeah, thanks for sharing. That's a pretty crazy turnaround. And first of all, I didn't know about the the passing of your mother and her catalyzing event into spiritual path that's connected with your astrology love and your adorations for that spiritual aspect. So that shows me that your love for astrologies and esoteric spiritual concepts are really deeply rooted in your lasting connections with your mother before she passed away, right? Um, so thanks for sharing. And I want to talk about a quote that you shared with me the last time we chatted offline like a month ago, where you talked about when you're truly being authentic, the world gravitates towards you rather than you gravitate towards the world. Because I sense that threat in the story you just said, right? Because I could imagine the mental skepticism, the mental fuckery that you had to work with to start posting tarot card readings and astrologies and probably some of the most stigmatized spiritual concepts out there where people are like, oh, that's woo woo, that's BS. On a TikTok, one of the most active and popular social media platforms in 2022 that must have been interesting on its own but could you elaborate on what that quote means to you and maybe if you have your own examples or journey that showcase oh when you're truly being yourself and authentic to your core of what you believe the world will resonate with that core belief of yours yeah absolutely um this is a concept that i've been thinking about a lot recently, just in these past couple months. Um, and I actually made a TikTok about it. And essentially in that video, I talk about how to be magnetic because I truly do think that we are our most magnetic. We are our most attractive when we genuinely do not care what other people think. And when you are doing something for the sake of expressing yourself. Um, and then if you're doing something for the sake of expressing yourself, that in and of itself is authenticity. That's how I would define authenticity. Like when your intentions are pure and you're not holding yourself back, you're just doing something that you're interested in. You're just pursuing a desire. When I like first started making TikToks and it was back in 2020, when I first started doing tarot card readings, I like, I had a, like a, my username on TikTok was not Kitty Noir. It was God as a woman. <laughs> and I let, I was doing that for fun. Like I did not, I did not care slash I didn't 
think too much about other people finding it. And I and that's like why I think I grew up online. That's why people gravitated towards it. It's because at that point in time I, I didn't care. And that it typically happens. And like when you think about qualities that are attractive in a person, typically like almost it doesn't it almost never really matters what a person looks like. We can all mutually agree that confidence is attractive. And essentially confidence it, I think the like the Latin root of the word confidence comes from self-trust, trust of the self, to be your own confidant. And so when we trust ourselves, we don't need the validation of other people. And so like energetically, when you are you're you're good with yourself, you're gonna do what you want to do when you want to do it, and your intentions are pure, as long as you're not hurting anybody else. I think that is when you are the most magnetic. I think this world makes space for people who are passionate, for people who are willing to show up and like just with curiosity and like people that just genuinely want to participate, people that genuinely want to be there. And we live in a world where as a content creator, as an artist, there's an algorithm that you want to please. Like you, like we have this desire to fit in this desire to be seen which is like that you shouldn't beat up yourself for that one the desire to be seen i think that is innately human and that is also part of the creative process when you make something it it deserves to be like birthed into existence it deserves its time in the sun um however if you are a content creator like take so much stock of how much importance you're placing on the algorithm and whether or not that's influencing what you create because like the market is fickle the market changes all the time don't worry too much about pleasing the algorithm worry about pleasing yourself worry about your own authentic expression because that is the most like, attractive magnetic thing in this world yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. I want to table this and come back later about maybe some of the most fascinating stories and examples you've heard of seeing in your life among your artist friends about the idea that the world creates space for passionate people. So keep that in mind. We'll revisit that. Uh, with what you just said, how do you personally as a creative, as intuitive creative, as you called yourself, and as a content creator yourself as well, how do you yourself balance this urge to adhere to the algorithm, to the checkbox? Because many of those metrics are valid, right? These are all been tested by trials and tribulations, been tested by many people. So there's validity there. At the same time, how do you still lean into your authentic creative expressions? How do you play around with the interplay of that balance yourself? That's such a good question. And I think that like the last time we talked, Ben, I had mentioned a John Mayer interview <laughs> in which John Mayer was asked this question, like how much of his album is for himself and how much of it is for his audience. And he said it's a 50-50 creation. And like genuinely, I believe my work is 50-50. When it comes to my content creation, I love 
when it comes to TikTok, I love sitting down and recording like a three minute video, just talking about life, talking about the current astrology, pulling tarot cards. And I create that content for the people that already follow me, for the people who are interested in what I have to say. I know that the odds are slim that that kind of content attracts new followers. Usually it's the 15 second, seven second, like fast, like hit a dopamine that attracts new people. And so I typically do a little bit of like 15 second, like some kind of astrology clickbait basically to like up my chances of being on people's for you pages. But I hate the phrase that the market is oversaturated, but there is a lot of content that exists. You do want to be attractive. You do want to like aesthetically catch people's attention. But when I feel like I've done all I can to be aesthetically pleasing, I've done all I can to try to get new followers. I try to focus on bringing value to the people that are already there. So that is like majority of my content. I truly want to bring value to the people that are already following people that are already on my page. Yeah. I feel like that's another struggle that a lot of content creators go through is the, the tug of war between depth versus width. Yeah. Width is like new exposure, new audiences, new people that resonate with your content but the depth is people who already are following you people who already are giving their very scarce and commoditized attention to you right because unless you're a content creator on social media or youtube it's hard for you to understand how scarce and how competitive attention is nowadays with content overload with motivation every corners around the podcast every every person their mothers have podcasts now Right. So it's very competitive, as you said. So I feel like that balance looks different for everyone. But I really appreciate your nuanced and balanced approach. So with that being said, it's interesting that you said TikTok or the algorithm prefers 15 second reels, right? Something that's instant, something that's fast, gets you on the for uh, FYP, right? Pages in the front. At the same time, from my research on your content, some of your most liked content are actually three minute clips. So I know a series that you've done is called Rising Signs and it has over a million likes. And those clips are, it's a series of yours. And those series are actually about a two to three minutes each. Um, why do you think that, why do you think that is? Because as you said, you went against the grain of algorithm, yet it's one of the most liked content that you have. And secondly, for a novice who doesn't really know anything about astrology or tarot card reading, what is uh, or what are rising signs? All right. Um, I actually think that that video series series is a good example of me not caring too much about pleasing the algorithm and just like making content because I, I felt like it because I wanted to say these things. So... Um, I'll start with <laughs> your last question. What are, what is a rising sign? And so I fell in love with astrology when I learned that we are more than just one sign. So, um, you're a cancer, right then? Cool. Okay. So you're a cancer because the sun was sitting in that constellation at the time of your birth. But, um, where the moon was, also has some kind of meaning where Venus, where Mars, where Neptune was, like all those planets, they carry a metaphorical significance. 
And so a birth chart is essentially like a map of the sky um, at the specific time and place of your birth. So the rising sign, it's just part of the chart. It actually sets the tone for your whole chart. And that is the zodiac constellation that was sitting on the eastern horizon at the time of your birth. And so um, our rising sign, it affects the way we perceive reality and the way other people perceive us. And in that specific TikTok series, I broke down all 12 zodiac signs, all 12 rising signs, and talked about their physical appearance or how they like to dress. And so one, that series does well, that kind of stuff does well, because people like to learn about themselves. People like to hear about themselves. Um, but two, what I shared in that series, those are my opinions. These are based on my experiences. And so the information was kind of like different and unique. And there were people in the comment section saying she was wrong. <laughs> and so like, I was just sharing what I wanted to share based off of my experience and like my observation. And so um, maybe a part of the reason why it did well is because it was kind of like not controversial, but it was that had talking points in it. Yeah, that makes sense. The and for listeners who are maybe dealing with a lot of a surge of skepticism and they're like, oh, what are they talking about? Uh, Benoit has gone to the far ends. Some concrete thing that Kitty taught me on our episode last year is how a menstrual cycle for women is 28 days. And then the moon cycle is also 28 days. And if you know anything about Mayan culture and Mayan calendar, it's actually predicated and rooted in the menstrual cycle and the 28 cycles of moon and if you think about on a meta no if you think about on a physical level every star and constellations and every planet including earth has their own gravitational pull and i think astrologies and what we just alluded to is uh different manifestations and representations of the gravitational pull that a lot of the physics and quantum physics are catching up to now but i'm not an expert but at least from my exposure with kitty and if any of this sparks any of your curiosity, I would strongly urge you to do your own research. Uh, but I was a skeptic my entire life when people attribute their livelihood or their personality into these attributes of, oh, I'm a cancer, so I'm too emotional or whatever that may be. And that's not what we're saying. We're saying this is just another lens to view life through because I think that's how we make life interesting because I believe that life in life itself is inherently meaningless but i find it empowering because we can view life through the lens we want to equip ourselves with and i at least find that perspective makes my life a lot more interesting so i want to continue on this train for a second uh because we're talking about the algorithm different poles between our authenticity versus how can we serve our audiences or how we expand our legacy, so to speak? One thing that you mentioned to us and a lot of very successful content creators that I speak to that's been on the show, they always talk about the, the challenge and the difficulty to resist replicating the template. I know for you, uh, when your TikTok account and your social media first blew off, uh, I know you've got millions and millions of likes with your couple videos that done really well in the beginning. And I know that also gave you this insane level of dopamine hits, right? So we'll talk about that down the road. But one thing that you really had to work through is how can I not copy everything based on that successful template? Because you know it's going to do well. 
based on certain metrics, based on certain formula, blueprints, etc. Can you walk us through that once again balance of that? First of all, how was your journey for you of seeing literally millions of people, millions of humans around the planet who you don't know, who are validating and find your content resonating? And second, how did you resist that urge to not just copy and paste for the rest of your content to come? Yeah. Um, so when maybe I was a couple months into posting TikToks, doing mainly tarot card readings on TikTok, um, I remember sitting down one day, like in my dad's house, <laughs> uh, in my my little brother's bedroom. At the time, I was quarantining with my family, and so like that was my safe haven, <laughs> my little brother's bedroom. So I would go there and I would make TikToks all day. But I sat down to do a regular tarot reading and it wasn't working. I was fumbling over my words or I just felt like frustrated with it. And I randomly decided to record a series explaining the moon phases and what they metaphorically mean and how um, they, they affect um, or make an impact on our energy levels or rather how our energy levels reflect that of the moon too. So like around a full moon, we're more likely to be a lot more energetic versus a new moon. Um, it's a period of like, like you need to slow down. It's a period of lethargy and rest typically. And so I like sat down and made a series just talking about moon phases and that video blew up. That was the video that like took me from like 10 followers to like 40k. Like it was so fast. I remember like around that time period looking at my phone being like, oh I'm gonna I'm gonna hit 10k. Oh I'm gonna I'm gonna hit 20k. And like to your question then about like seeing the numbers come in, when when I, I felt like I didn't have to work for it or I felt like I didn't have to work that hard for it. So because of that, it was it was like nothing. It was like, oh dopamine hit, like yeah, this is this is freaking cool. But also like we adjust. As humans, like we adjust to life so quickly, and so even when I hit that 40k, I was like, okay, like, like what's next? How can I, how can I get that again? And so I, for a while, I only made videos about the moon <laughs> because that, that's what works. That's what worked before. And so I was like, so then I like strayed away from doing tarot card readings, and I had to like pull myself out of that and just like get back to just doing whatever felt natural to me. Because the reason why the, that moon series took off was because in the moment that was natural. I wasn't like so intense or so tense about like talking about the moon and like wanting this to work. Um, because I think that's also like a common thread in content creation. Um, I think it's pretty common for content creators to say like, I spent hours making this one TikTok for it not to overwhelm. And something that you don't care about, something that you put less pressure on, that's the stuff that performs well. Yeah, that's. Uh, I want to zoom in on something you sort of gloss over is mm -hmm. when you hit that 40K milestone, because I just want to remind the listeners, she was at 10 followers mm -hmm. and she went to 40,000 followers almost overnight, like a happy accident. It, that joy and that satisfaction, like the baseline of satisfaction, like as you said, it increases 
because of our insane adaptability to life, to the currents of change. Uh, can you just highlight that? Because I want to ask you, how long did you focus on that joy? Because I think people have this illusion and delusion that, oh, once I hit that milestone, I'm going to celebrate life magically upgrades and it's all peachy and rainbow. But yeah. for you and for many amazing creative content uh, creators, very successful in their own rights, none of them really stay in that bliss, stay in that celebrations and gratitude. It's immediately like, okay, what's the next milestone? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think prior to that experience, I was already like mindful of the fact that if you do not celebrate your small wins, nothing matters. Like we, we think getting a certain amount of money in our bank account is going to make us feel better. We think accomplishing certain things in our life, it's going to make us feel better. If you do not actively choose to appreciate this present moment, if you do not actively practice being appreciative for what you have, for what is going well, it, it literally doesn't matter. And so when I, at that point where my account was growing, like there was a part of me that knew to stop, to soak this in. That like, like life is good. This is cool. Like appreciate this. Um, and it also simultaneously, it put this pressure on me because now I like it. Now I know people are watching <laughs> and um, I also uh, learned at that time that when you're as a TikTok creator, if you post on TikTok, when you are already gaining traction, when you are already gaining followers, it's very smart to go live and to like try to find new people that way. But I was terrified of speaking live. I was terrified of going live. And that's a fear that I've only recently, in these past couple months, have been able to work through. Um, but so I was terrified of going live. I was terrified to like, like lose followers um and was also like and that was around the time that like i was mainly focusing on moon content <laughs> like i was still trying to like please people so once so it was very it was a very compartmentalized period of my life like i knew to enjoy the moment but i also was now seeking validation from these forty thousand strangers um, or like that pressure of like, there's people paying attention to you. But also I was more so grateful because it, having that, having a bigger number in the follower count, it gave me permission to like keep going. And so I think that is what I was, what I am and what I was most grateful for. Um, cause like I said, since 2020, I've been posting a lot of spiritual stuff on uh, social media in general, on the internet in general, but that, it, like, fortunately or unfortunately, it's because when I started gaining a following and talking about spirituality, it gave me permission. Interesting. Yeah, it's once again, it's almost like the world creates space for passionate people, <laughs> right? And I see that. And of course, like, it's a very tricky fine balance not to root your validation in external validations. At the same time, I'm sure that validation feels amazing, right? Like when people tell you that, hey, I believe what you're doing. What you're saying resonates with me really deeply, even though I don't know who you are. We're across the world, different time zones, different culture, different language. Yet the fact that people on a global level 
resonate with you, I'm sure that's a really awesome feeling. But then the downfall of that is how do you match that dopamine hits from something else, right? Especially in terms of the digital life and the real life. I want to follow the thought process of strategy, right? To provide some concrete, tangible, maybe value for people who are interested in. And speaking of TikTok, I, I just opened my TikTok account very reluctantly because I know that's the strategy I need to repurpose and dispatch and distribute on TikTok form. And I just posted my first video yesterday. It got like 11 views. And then I was on your TikTok page, just hundreds of thousands of views. I was like, man, this is not easy at all. But on that end, for people who want to start their TikTok journey, who want to venture into TikTok and maybe any other social platforms that's more aligned with who they are, since every platform has their own nuances, what is your own TikTok strategies and what is your approach Aside from what you said in terms of when you're gaining traction, go live. What are some of the high-level strategies that have allowed you to get to this point in your TikTok success? Yeah, so um, I think just creatively wise, uh, strategically, your audience, your ideal audience, your ideal client, it's going to be who you were five years ago. So when you are interested in making content, but you don't know where to start, like who were you five years ago and what did you need to hear? What kind of mentor did you need to have? What would have been funny to you? I guess there's two different ways to approach this, but one, strategically, your ideal client, your ideal customer, your ideal audience, it's gonna be who you were, just a younger version of you. Especially if you're like an artist, if you like, you have some a message that you wanna share, a message that you wanna get if it's just self-consciousness holding you back or like, or anything of that sort, like show up to be that person that you wish you had like five-ish years ago. Um, but also strategically, maybe not so strategically, I think self-expression is so important. And so if you are so tempted to make TikToks or so tempted to post certain things online, but you hold yourself back out of fear of what other people think, out of not wanting to be cringy. There is so much to benefit from just saying fuck it and just like letting yourself like release something. If you like were learning a dance and you recorded it and you have it in your draft folder, like just like just post it. Like there's so much power in you just saying fuck it. And if you are on the hunt to like build a following, you want to like attract people to you. One of the greatest pieces of advice that I can give is like to not be too precious with what you post. If you have an idea, go act on it, put it out there. When it comes to like you and like growing a following for your podcast, like shit post then, like just post all the time. You can repost things. Um, if you think you're posting too much, like, that's not your problem. <laughs> uh, going back to the idea that like there's so much content that exists, there's so much that's already out there. Like you do have to fight to get people's attention, and by fighting to get their attention, maybe you don't try to fit in, but like be loud and be proud about what you're doing. Like do not hold yourself back by any means. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, how did you personally uh, deal with and confront the resistance? Because I know that before you hopped on TikTok, you weren't always like, oh, I love TikTok. It wasn't that case for you. 
Um, I just want to make it more contextualized as how did you personally deal with that internal chatter? Yeah, that internal chatter has been like the motivating force for like everything that I do. I have such a harsh internal critic, internal critic. And as a kid, I was like extremely hard on myself throughout high school, extremely self-conscious, extremely introverted, but also interested in theater extremely introverted, but also interested in speaking to faith. And so like, I always had this like safe space where I could express myself. Um, but I like did not have TikTok on my phone until 2020. Like I didn't have the app until I like, I actually, I don't know how long it took me to start recording TikToks, but I really didn't have the app on my phone for long before I, started and again going back to the idea that like my name was not attached to my account like it really was like a safe space for me to fuck around and like create things and i like i still am actively working through self-consciousness and like only in this past year have i made massive strides and actually recently i've been thinking a lot about how instagram and tiktok they have been like like tools and vehicles for me to break out of my shell because I like part of the reason why I was so scared to go live is like this like this mental chatter, this self-consciousness um, that I can work through to record a 60 second video, but I can't work through <laughs> or I couldn't at the time to like actually sit down and go live and just like talk <laughs> to like whatever, a bunch of strangers. In regards to advice and what helped me working through that is literally just practice. It's very rare <laughs> for you to wake up and be like, oh, today's the day. Like, <laughs> conquer the thing. And even if you do feel like, okay, today's the day I'm going to conquer the thing, there's still a part of you that's always going to be scared. And that anxiety, it, it keeps us safe. It keeps us from like, biologically <laughs> getting ourselves into trouble right but a surplus of anxiety doesn't help anybody and like working through your fears literally dissipates that anxiety over time so you have to practice you have to show up you have to keep making videos you have to keep talking <laughs> like you just have to keep creating yeah and of course like i i believe all cliches are tropes but there's a lot of truth in cliches is if you want to get faster at running, you run more. If you want to jump higher and dunk a basketball, you attempt to dunk more. It's very obvious, but it's almost like the truth is so obvious that it's disguised in plain sight where people think, oh, to be good at something, I need to really refine and I need to really practice in the down key. And then finally, I will get out of my cocoon and become this butterfly. It's like, no, 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 no. If you want to be a butterfly, you need to fly more, right? It's not the other way around. And of course, the underlying theme is say no to perfectionism because there is a gap between a self-perceived perfectionist point versus the actual objectively optimal point. And to usually that perfectionism, he's a huge disservice across the board. I used to be a victim to that. My mom was, I know you were, a lot of people are, but I think once you shed your layers of perfectionism, there's liberation on the other side. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 
I want to revisit something that you talked about in terms of life is trippy and full moon, right? Which is the moon series that really puts you on the map, so to speak. Last year, it blew my mind and I actually confirmed this with my partner who works at a hospital. You talked about during full moon, there's heightened energy, right? Energy vortex or heightened activities globally. And I was like, yeah, right. What does that mean? I, but one of the examples you said is if you examine hospitals or ER, right, the influx of patients and the intensities of their physical trauma and the ER needs also increases. I was like, there's no way. There's no way that is true. I asked my partner and I asked, I spoke with a bunch of ER physicians. They all confirmed that during full moon, it is the most intense and the wildest patient stories in the ER or ICUs or critical care unit. And I was like, what is happening right now? But I think for me, when I hear about those stories and these anecdotal evidence, they may be, but evidence nonetheless, it really changes my perspective and how I view the world. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know the world as much as I thought I did. And I think it's that unknown makes life more interesting because if you know everything, what's the point, right? Um, so I just want to provide that concrete example for people uh, if you're still finding yourself resisting to this conversation because it's very much real, but then it's as real as you want to believe it to be. So I want to revisit what we tabled early on in the conversations in terms of some of the cases or success stories that you know among your artist friends or your artist network in terms of the world creates space for passionate people. You aside, because of course you are the shining example of that question, but in your personal life or professional life, uh, does any other really cool, fascinating case studies come up for you when you're like, ah, the world does open up and the world does indeed create space for people who are unapologetically passionate about what they do or what they believe. I'm being brought to like the people that I admire. And so the content creators that I look up to that have paved the path before me. And so like Gala Darling, Angela Gallo, Gabriella Rosie, these are just names of women that, have like essentially created um, financial freedom, creative freedom for themselves by just being themselves, posting online. And so like Gabrielle Rosie is an artist who um, has turned her like painting business, her jewelry line, her clothing line into a brand that like pays all of her bills. and. She has like maybe 15, 16, maybe like 20K followers on Instagram. And so that to me, and she's like maybe in her like late 20s. So that to me is so exciting and so motivating. Um, just because it's this like, she's this average girl. Like, yes, there's like, there's millions upon millions of artists that already exist in the world, but she chose to unapologetically just like share the stuff that she makes online. And she has attracted a large audience, but not like millions. And she's still making a living by doing what she loves. Like she's still making a difference, like serving this community. And it, an example like her makes it feel so accessible. Like that's the dream. That's my dream. Um, 
And so in terms of like the world making room for passionate people, I believe that is true because of the people that I look up to because it's worked for them. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And it reminds me about Tim Ferriss's idea, Thousand True Fans, mm -hmm. right? Is you don't need a million following if you have a core thousand true fans that resonate and that will support you to the end of the world. That itself is enough to create a business, to make it self-sufficient, to make whatever you're doing profitable or sustainable. And that's something that, that's been supporting the podcast and it's something that I've carried forward with the podcast since three years ago is don't care about the millions or hundreds, thousands. Find that thousand true fans and serve them to the best of your ability. And I think uh, your story just perfectly examines that. I want to take a soft pivot into the creative avenue with the journey that you've departed since OK Cool Magazine. I know that based on your pivot and your pivotal journey through saying no to OK Cool Magazine to double down on your creative aspect, and I'm sure, and of course, you learned a lot of lessons along the way. But something really cool happened on the other side is you're able to self-publish a book, right? About tarot reading. And first of all, the paper front cover is so aesthetic. I love the design. Um, it's really cool that you were able to go from a magazine to a book. Uh, what has a journey taught you so far? And can you just walk us through that journey? Yeah. So um, first and foremost, I'm a writer. I love to write. I love poetry. That's, that's my bread and butter. So back in 2018, when I decided to make OK Cool, that was because I was a writer who was struggling with imposter syndrome. <laughs> and so uh, I created a magazine about mental health for artists and like reached out to a bunch of like creative friends that I had and like found people through Instagram that were interested in being a part of this magazine that essentially was just about having conversations about imposter syndrome, about how to work through self-doubt when you want to pursue a creative path. And so learning how to like create a magazine, like physically like finding websites that I could use to print that zine was very, very, very helpful. Any like throughout the course of our life, there's like no such thing as wasted time. Knowledge always compounds. Even an experience that you have that seems very random, it the odds are good you're gonna take something away from it that's gonna help you later on. So the process of like trial and error, figuring out how to create and edit and make a physical print magazine um, helped me learn so much about self-publishing. And so by the time that I knew actually uh, years ago when I was first learning how to read tarot cards, the idea of creating like a tarot journal or like a tarot book, like some, like some, like the seed of the idea was there. And so in August of 2021, I published a book called Tarot Affirmations, Self-Fulfilling Prophecies. And essentially it's just a collection of affirmations that are based on every single card in the Rider Waite tarot deck. And it's perfect for people who are either very new to tarot or for people that aren't super into it. Like if you have a deck of cards, but you're not like well-versed on the meanings, it's perfect for a person who just like wants to pick a card a day and then flip through this book and it will give you an affirmation based on that card. 
But self-publishing that was so easy because I already had the prior experience of like struggling <laughs> with trying to figure out how to publish okay cool. And in the future, I fully plan on self-publishing poetry books and books about astrology. And that's going to be even easier because of this past experience publishing that book. Yeah, and also just a sneak peek, uh if I were you, I definitely want to stay till the very end of this episode since Kitty will be demonstrating and reading a few of her finest poetry writings and content. And Kitty is a phenomenal poet and writer since I can't write poetry for anything. So uh, please stay till the very end for Kitty to demonstrate some of what she's talking about. And yeah, that's really cool because uh, I do think that people underestimate the power of affirmations. So in clinical science, if you look at and examine the efficacies, the amazing effect of affirmations, if you were to put any individual's brain under MRI scan, their brain activity actually changes and morphs based on the level of affirmations you provide. So affirmations on a clinical level actually neurologically affect your brain outcome and your brain activities and your shape of your amygdala, which is responsive fight, flat, or freeze. So affirmations are really real and people who adhere or have some sort of a daily affirmation practice, at least in my personal life, I've seen the efficacies of that. I definitely want to highlight that for people. Once again, she's Katie just viewing through the world through a different lens, but a lot of that is grounded in science as well. So for you, I want to dive into your bread and butter, right? Astrologies and tarot card reading. It's very interesting because you view those vehicles as toolkits for self and uh, personal transformations, uh, personal empowerment. I interviewed a podcast interview with a life coach and a friend of mine, Oliver, that will go live soon on YouTube. He told me he has a really deep interest in starting a podcast as well. And he told me that he wants to start a podcast because, because he's a life coach. He want to examine the universal, timeless, personal empowerment, self-help ideas, because it's really universal across time and culture, right? But he want to view that through the vehicle of anime. Like he's a huge anime lover and he wants to dissect and synthesize and distill personal development toolkits from some of his favorite anime. I was like, dude, as an anime lover myself, I think there's a lot of space for that. Likewise for you, you view the same thing, right? For him, it's anime, but for you, it's tarot card reading and astrology, but at the end of the day, you want to use those as vehicles to empower yourself and others. Can you tell me more about that? Is Why is that for you? And what are some of your approaches? And what does that all mean? Yeah, absolutely. One, I, I'm i not into anime, but I think that's so interesting and so fascinating. Um, because at the end of the day, as humans, we're storytellers. So we love stories. For whatever reason, our consciousness perceives life in a very past, present, future, beginning, middle, end. Our lifetime is a story. When we talk about other people, we're sharing stories. And so when it comes to something like anime, it makes sense because that's like a genre filled with a bunch of different personality types, character-wise, story arcs. And I approach astrology and I approach tarot cards in literally the same exact way. Um, Astrology is an ancient framework for understanding time. And so there are 12 signs of the zodiac and 
in tarot, there's like 78 cards, but essentially um, both are reflections of the hero's journey. The zodiac wheel, it starts with Aries, which is a fire sign. It's the ram. It is the initial spark of inspiration. It's the seed of life. And then we make our way, we make our way through the 12 signs and every sign has their own story. And we end with Pisces, um, which represents like morphing back into the unknown. And so Pisces is represented by the two fish and it represents like consciousness being an ocean of sorts. <laughs> and so like it's the point of return. Um, and so, like I said, I fell in love with astrology when I learned that like we are more than one sign, we have a chart. And honestly, like learning that you have a chart, um, this ties back into what I was saying earlier about the fact that like people want to learn about themselves, people want to hear about themselves. Uh, learning how to read an astrology chart, it you can definitely treat it like a reflection or a um, potential tool to understand your personality more. What I like about astrology is that it's a belief system that leaves room for both uh, destiny and free will. So looking at a birth chart and be like, okay, you were born with these strengths. You were born with these weaknesses. At this point in your life, this might happen. <laughs> and like, this is how to like work with what you have. And so um, when I first learned about astrology, all that made me feel so seen. It made me feel special. It made me feel like I had a mission. I had a purpose. Like it made me a lot more aware of myself. Um, I later on <laughs> found myself in therapy, <laughs> found myself reading those self-help books. And like, there are definitely other ways to psychoanalyze yourself and astrology is just one route. And so the crux of like why I believe in this stuff stems from the fact that we exist within two different matrices. We exist as humans within two different worlds. We participate in man-made political, social, economic systems that teach us to perceive reality in a very specific way. And even if you do subscribe to like an organized religion, you're still being taught to perceive reality in a specific way. And actually, like even believing in astrology, like there's certain guidelines. So it's like this is the way things work. It's a framework. But we also exist as organisms that are just part of an ecosystem. Like at the end of the day, like we're just mammals, we're creatures that are part of this planet, we're part of this cosmos. And so, like we do live in a framework that teaches us to see ourselves as separate from nature. And I enjoy things like astrology because it puts you in the mindset of like, nah, like you're connected to everything. You're connected to nature. Like, I think it's fun to believe that the moon has an influence on the way that I feel and vice versa because it, it creates a connection to something, again, bigger than us. Yeah, that's amazing. I got goosebumps on this side because I just want to zoom in on the concept you just talked about, which is astrology is cool because it gives you this concurrent simultaneous concept of free will and destiny and on a more physical level and concretely that's similar to nature and nurture right genetics and epigenetics which is the change of your dna expressions based on environment based on nurturing aspects and we are both always nature and nurture 
And I sense that from what you said as well, which is a cool connection I never really thought about. Um, but could you elaborate more on the idea of destiny and free will? Uh, because A, that sounds really cool, but B, like how would you tell people who maybe lean too much into the spectrum of, oh, it's all destiny. Uh, my moon signs or my whatever signs dictate me how I feel on this day. So there's nothing I could do or for people maybe lean too much into the free will aspect. Because like I said, it's always nature and nurture and it's always free will and destiny. I think that extremes are dangerous. So when it comes to whatever you believe in, however you operate, like nature versus nurture, fate versus free will, I think the best way to navigate life is to have some kind of middle ground, to have a discernment between the two. Because when we lean too much into everything's destined, everything is out of my control, that becomes a very disempowering place. And then if we lean too much into this idea that uh, I'm, I'm in total control, then that also is extremely damaging. That puts a lot of pressure on yourself. And what's interesting is that I, I see like law of attraction conversations leaning too much into this idea that like you are solely responsible for your lived experience. You know what I mean? You study or you know anything about the law of attraction, Ben? I do. Could, but could you elaborate more? Of course. Yeah. So um, I do think there is truth in this idea that thought precedes everything and like a thought it carries a certain vibration and so on a molecular level everything is energy so whatever is vibrating at the same frequency it's going to resonate it's going to meet each other it's going to see one another it's going to recognize one another um but at the end of the day like you are a part of nature but you're not all like you're you're a spark of consciousness you're a spark of god a spark of source but you're not in total control so you've got to work with what you got. if something isn't going your way it's not because you are a bad person for attracting it like no whatever isn't going your way it's trying to teach you something and that's also one of the best ways i think to navigate life as like treating everything like it's a lesson everything is here to teach you something that you didn't see before yeah no that makes sense and yeah, I feel like balance is, once again, it looks different for everyone. And there is no one size fits all. That itself is a huge disservice, right? Because we're all different floating stardust in this infinite space. And we all have different genetic mutations, different culture, different belief systems, different parenting, different location. How can you ever possibly imagine two different individuals behave the same way? That's ludicrous. Right. On this note, in terms of maybe dispelling some skepticism. And like I said, I think life is so much more interesting when you allow your curiosity to lead whatever that takes you. Right. And, you know, it may not always be down the right path. Maybe it will lead you to a six hour binge on a YouTube about this pink elephant. But most likely, I think curiosity is really, really wonderful. And I do think the best way to live life is with a guiding philosophy of endless curiosity. How would you describe what tarot card reading is for people who are like, oh, I don't know, man, that's too much. That's just too far out there. How would you describe what it is and why it could be a really powerful tool? 
for people to learn more about who they are? Yeah, that's a really good question because tarot cards are definitely like the most woo-woo <laughs> that I do and thing that I subscribe to. Um, and like essentially a deck of cards are kind of like pages in a book. Um, and so reading tarot has actually been one of the greatest things to improve my confidence, like my trust in myself. My, like, my ability to, like, it's called divination. And divination is a fancy word for a tool that reflects our subconscious. And so there's a little bit of subconscious, like, magic involved. And there's a little bit of, like, synchronicity. And so when you sit down to pull a card, when you sit down to ask a question, you're always going to get exactly what you need in that moment. And so this practice this process has taught me that nothing in life is random you can sit down and randomly pull a card and that card is going to have a message for you whether or not you want to hear it <laughs> in that moment whether or not it applies to you now or in the future or in the past like the 78 cards they tell the story of the hero's journey and so like all of us we incarnate and we live our lives and like we all step into the role of the hero. And along our journey, yes, life looks very different based on you and your lived experience and where you come from and like what you've gone through. But on a whole, there's certain archetypes, there's certain life lessons that we all move through. And so the, the cards themselves are just a very basic reflection of like the steps that we go through life. And then based on whoever you're sitting with that's reading your cards, that person is going to use their own intuition. They're going to use their own ability to read energy and figure out what seems most important in that moment in time. I've definitely had my tarot card read in Philadelphia a few years back, and it was pretty accurate based on what I was going through at that moment in time. So it's not that I've always like, oh, that's BS, because at the same time, it's like human psychology, right? Confirmation bias, where you want to attach the meaning on what you want to believe. But confirmation bias applies to all things in life, not just tarot card, not just esoteric stuff, not just spirituality. You believe what you want, period, right? And once again, I think this is a cool toolkit for people who are interested, because the way I see is for anything that has survived the eons, and the iteration of time, there's a lot of truth in there because, and of course, we some people might be asking, oh, but then Ben, you know, the best way to create a lie is mixing, sprinkle some truth in that. But exactly, there are some truth in that. So we are just a vehicle for resources and for anyone who's more interested, definitely go to Kitty's website and do more in-depth digging on your own than just look it up. But I think you would be surprised by what you find. So I'm going to make a, a little bit of a weird connection. Mm -hmm. And if it lands nowhere, I take full responsibility. But I want to see where you take us. Is first of all, I just want to contextualize what hero's journey is. So very simply put, a hero's journey is the ubiquitous, universal journey of a hero's path across literature, across culture. Is basically a hero leaves the home territory to go on a journey of triumph. Right, but to get to the triumph, they have to go through barriers and challenges. But once they become triumphant and come back home, 
the hero's journey usually end in a cyclical way where they bring back what they've learned unto the people to benefit. It's a cycle, right? It's a path. It's a very nonlinear path. And I think life is nonlinear, but capitalistic America tends to function in a very linear sense. I share that, A, to provide for more context, but I know you also have left and returned and gone and left college three times, right? And I sense, not, not to compare you with the archetype of hero's journey by any means, but I sense that ethos. I sense that thread of you want to go back to pursue what, you're, what you meant, quote unquote, is, oh, get a college degree, follow the traditional path. But then you left because it was not resonating with you. It was misaligned with who you are. But then you also went back and forth. Uh, what has that journey taught you in terms of life or however way you want to take that question? Yeah, um, I think just that non-linear experience that I've had with college specifically, it has taught me so much about myself and it has helped me work through so much protection. That alone has helped me work through comparing myself to others. Um, specifically like the people that I went to high school with that, that at this point, majority of them are graduated with a bachelor's, if not even more education. And so like, I, it also taught me um, how to really, really like bet on myself and trust myself um, because graduating from high school, I really wanted to move to New York City. I really, I was in, I went to high school in California and wanted to cross the, wanted to cross the country. And my parents were not about to let me go that far. I even like applied in secret <laughs> to a school called the New School in Manhattan, and I got in. And then when I told my parents that I got in, they were pissed that I took my mom's credit card and applied behind their back. So there was no way that I was going to go to New York. And I ended up going to Arizona State University. And once I got there, I was absolutely like miserable. And I've only really have moved through a couple depressive episodes in my lifetime, but that was the very first one. And I just like, I did not want to be there. And so I finished out that semester and I moved back home. I went to community college. And then while I was at home going to community college, I was like, oh no, Arizona wasn't the problem. I don't want to go to school. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> um, and I like ended up like doing the Disney college program after that, after that stint at community college, like lived in Florida, like like really had such a good time, had a had my college experience down there, moved back to California, and then was not interested in pursuing education, was not interested in going to school. And then years later when I moved to New York, I for the first time in years had time to myself. I was away from my family. I was like, what do I and so I was like, okay, like going to school makes sense. And at the time I reconnected with my cousin Jeanette, who's like a massive positive influence in my life. And she's a person that I really look up to and a mentor of mine. And she's big on education. And so I listened to Jeanette and I went back to school and I went back to the new school too. I actually got to go for like a semester and then COVID hit <laughs> and then everything went online and then while I was at home in California participating in classes online, 
I felt it wasn't resonating anymore. I was like, I don't want to do this. And so I chose to leave school, have not been back since. And then, like, it's not even, a, like, a thought. Like, I'm not interested in going back to education and going back to college. I do think that this is, with the creation of the internet, like, this moment in time and moving forward, I'm very curious to see, like, what happens generationally because I think moving forward, college is not going to be as required as it once was, as necessary as it once was, just to make a living in, in the world. Um, but this past, like, winter, over Christmas, I was sitting at the table with my dad and my stepmom, and they were like, we think you should go back to college. And that blindsided me. Um, and it made me so angry and like upset and I was immediately defensive. And then I had to sit with myself and like, why am I so defensive? And it's because it, it would have been a form of like self-betrayal for me to go back at this point. I think I'm a very go with the flow person and it's taken me a lot to like really solidify my own opinions and solidify a, like a sense of confidence in my decision making. And like I like I knew with every fiber of my being that if I went back to school, like I, I it would be a form of self betrayal. Like it's at this point in my life, like I, I like I know myself more than I knew myself before. And so this nonlinear journey has helped me like kind of like get a little bit more grounded in who I am as a person. Yeah, that's amazing. The your self awareness shines through. And can you really call yourself an artist if you aren't college dropout? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I really think that there is very few things in life where we 100% know the answer when we feel like that oftentimes we're wrong. But I think we can go through vetting, go through intentionality and discern what we don't want in life, whether that's dating, whether that's your romantic partner, your friends your circle, your journey, your path, your college degree, etc. And it sounds like that's what you went through. And yeah, I'm really, it's, I'm really happy and proud of what you said is this will be the ultimate sense of self, uh, self betrayal. Because you don't know the impact and the implication down the line and down the road of your life, what that dissonance and that not just moral, but this incongruence that you have to carry with yourself. You don't know how that's going to manifest. You don't know how that doubt's going to peep in, right? So uh, sounds like so far you have made the right decisions. And But life is long, you know. You can always pursue formal education down the line. And life is both short and long at the same time. Depends how you view it through. So speaking of discerning what we want, speaking of finding what aligns with us, what sparks our joy, what makes us more lively. Uh, we're definitely approaching towards the end of the episode. And before, I'd like to invite you to read some of your finest poetry and some of your favorite pieces because I really, really adore and love your writing. Uh, I want to hit you with the discover more question, right? It's, it serves as twofold. Fold one is what is a domain or subject or a topic in your life or professional life you want to discover more about? after this really insightful and awesome conversation. And the second fold is, what's an area in our listeners' life you want to encourage for them to discover more about? I think that I want to discover more 
about religion, ancient religion, uh, Egyptian beliefs, like, and then how they have evolved over time. Um, I, I've always been very, very fascinated with philosophy and with like other cultures belief systems, but I've never like dove in and doubled down. Like also very interested in like Hinduism and like have, I have a, like a stack of books <laughs> that I like have like been meaning to read about just like mysticism and different cultures approaches to mysticism. And I know that in taking the time to pursue different avenues of religion and philosophy, all of, all of it comes together. Like you were saying earlier, there's a little bit of truth sprinkled in um, certain teachings. I think that, personally, I think that not, there's no one system that is the ultimate truth, but rather there's a little bit of truth in everything. And so at this point in my life, I really want to prioritize discovering more about specifically like Egyptian culture. What's an area you want to encourage the listeners to discover more about? I might be cheesy, but I would encourage if you're listening to truly discover more about yourself by getting curious about your own fears. I truly think that our deepest, darkest, scariest fears there, there's, there's the reason why we fear that thing so much and whether that has to do with an insecurity or whether that has to do with a passion or like a dream or goal of yours, it is so beneficial for you to confront your shadows and why you're afraid of doing certain things. Um, I think that one, there is absolute purpose in you just being here and you just being present, and, and you just waking up every day and doing your best. But two, I think we can find a sense of purpose and fulfillment when it comes to facing our shadows, when it comes to facing our fears. Like that's that's why we're here, to do the soul work of like confronting our mental mental demons. Yeah, it's like the Carl Jung, right? The shadow self. Mm -hmm. But also what Ellen Watts, the philosopher, British philosopher talks about, life is really simple. And the whole point of life is just to be alive. And I think that we tend to complicate things. But those are because those two statements are equally true. And it's one of those really trippy thing about life is we can uphold simultaneously, seemingly contradicting ideas all at the same time. And both of those contradictions aren't really contradictions if we think about it. But that's a topic for another day. But yeah, I mean, Kitty, the... Before I roll out the red carpet for you, right, for you to plug whatever projects you have coming on, I know, as you say, you have a bunch of projects in the horizon. Uh, I love to hold a space for you and for you to read and showcase some of your favorite writings, because anytime I see you post on your website, on social media, I genuinely love what you post. And I think they're so insightful and so creative and so poetic, pun intended, since you are a poet. But yeah, I just like to hold a space for you to see maybe you depart our listeners with some of your most resonating piece you've written uh, lately or before, however you want to choose. Um, thank you, Ben. I think I'm going to read a couple from my website. Um, and I'll start with one of my favorites, 
and it's called On Insecurities. Um, how selfish to believe the thoughts we think are our own and not a regurgitation of the bullshit we've considered. This is another one. And it goes, you are full. You have always been so. And like the moon, not everyone will understand you. Not everyone will see you fully. And that is on purpose. And one of my favorites is called, how do we return to ourselves? We return to ourselves by taking up space for no other reason than one of joy. To do anything less is to crush our spirit. And that's like the crux of really what I believe in and what I'm passionate about and like what I want to help other people like get is that it's so important for you to pursue expression, for you to do the things that you're interested in, for you to do the things that set your soul on fire. For you, it's so important for you to take up that space and just pursue joy because life without that is, it's not as, it doesn't feel as good. <laughs> Yeah, and capitalistic America is so great and master the art of putting you in a box mm -hmm. and they're never going to give you the opportunity to create that balance or create that free expressive outlet. Yeah. So we have to forcibly insert ourselves into this space by cultivating such space. So yeah, I mean, and to anyone that's listening, those are just a three of many uh, arts and poems and creative writing that Kitty does on a daily basis, honestly. So I will strongly encourage you to check it out. For me personally, anytime I read her writing, it does give me endless inspirations because I do think that creativity both heals and inspires. So with that being said, as such a mic drop moment, nothing for me to roll out the red carpet for you, Kitty. How can people connect with you? What are some of the exciting projects that's on the horizon? And where can people learn more about all things fascinating things that you do well my name is kitty Noor, and it's k-i-t-t-y-k-n-o-r-r -R, and that is my handle on instagram on twitter on tiktok and i have a website www.kittynor.com and i am currently offering birth chart astrology based readings as well as tarot card readings like I said, I self-published that book, Tarot Affirmations, if you're interested in that. But um, currently, I'm working on creating and launching a e-course, an online course, teaching other people how to read tarot cards. And I think that has so much value in it. Like, just the act of being able to read for yourself. Like, it's one thing to have the experience of, like, going to a psychic <laughs> and, like, having another person like read for you but like I was saying earlier learning how to read tarot cards it taught me how to trust myself it taught me how to like see myself as a spirit that is connected to all that is and so it's it's definitely a very very like demystifying the mystical process of like learning how to read cards for yourself learning how to read for yourself very self-reflective um, highly recommend for people that are just like interested in spiritual stuff and like that are on a personal transformation journey. Um, I think learning how to read tarot cards, it's a, it's a woo woo. It's a weird, <laughs> um, like plot twist for some, but it's been such a healing activity for me. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's what I got going on.
Awesome. Yeah. So as always, I will include the show notes in the episode link below as always. And yeah, this is such a joy and such a fun time because I do believe that the ability to create and creativity is deeply encoded into who we are, our essence, whether you believe we're creative beings or not prehistorically, right? Our ability to create is what put us on the apex predator map. Uh, like I said, I do think that if you navigate this world with a certain bind, uh, blinders on, it's going to limit and what you are able to receive. And I think the best way to do that is just to be openly curious. And at the same time, not to be too open because as we know, a lot of hippies, as I call them, their plane departed into the ethers, but the plane never came back down because they got too caught up in the being and forgot the meat suit. But we're a human being. And in that sense, Kitty is someone that's really grounded in reality. She's very analytical. She's very grounded. At the same time, she does share a lot of these esoteric insights and interests and preferences uh, and this unique worldview to view the world through. So yeah, please connect with her. Check out her website. Check out what she has to offer. But at least for me, I have endless joy anytime I talk to you, especially on the podcast. And with that, thank you for always listening to us and joining on this week's train of Discover More. And as always, hope to see you again next time. Thank you.